How's it going, everybody? Today I'm joined here with Emery Baraki, and uh, he is the creator of a fitness implement called Grappito, but he also has other interesting things about him. Um, but, uh, Emery, how's it going? I'm doing well, Greg. Uh, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, we we spoke last weekend and I had a, a great quick conversation and uh, I was excited to have you on here. Um, and I actually couldn't wait because uh, digging more in, into who you were, um, I can see how you might have developed this based on your background. Um, explain to everybody what the Grappito is and, and how you came about it. Well, uh, so um, it, it's been a long, really long journey. It's been an amazing journey how I came up with it. And honestly, it's some of the things that just uh, just kind of fell into place. Um, but mainly, uh, I really uh, came up with it because of a necessity. Um, when I had uh, some tennis elbow issues, um, I've been training since uh, I'm 12 years old doing judo. Um, then I did uh, jujitsu uh, for some time, and uh, I did a lot of different martial arts. But um, I was training for a Sambo tournament, 2017 uh, U.S. Uh, uh, US Nationals, but uh, they declared it to be the U.S. Open after um, they had a lot of folks uh, fly in from other countries. Um, I, my elbow was hurting really, really bad uh, five, six weeks out, and um, and with my background, I, I, I did my bachelor's and master's in uh, biomedical engineering, mostly focusing on biomechanics. Um, but I, of course, I studied uh, different uh, different um, things like bioptics and things like that. But I had a good sense of biomechanics um, and uh, strength training. And I, I was going to physical therapy a lot, and I felt like I couldn't really – like physical therapy was helping me a lot for like daily things. I was okay. But when you do like a sport like uh, judo, jiu-jitsu, where there's a ton of grip training, a uh, lot of grip fighting, um, it, it's it's a lot different than any other sport. And uh, so I started thinking on what I could do to come up with it. And I've been using sleds uh, for a very long time for like rehab uh, because of the concentric nature of it. Um, so I was thinking, how can I how can I make something I can train my forearms? Uh, concentrically and um, at physical therapy one thing they would uh, make me do a lot is um, hammer uh, supination uh, pronation forearm exercises um, so I was thinking like how can I do this in a concentric environment and then I started coming up with some things and I came up with the SAM method and um, the tournament was something I I was going to pull out of the tournament um, but I was not able to j just compete I was I got second place um I, I was able to get to the finals um and it was really really exciting to me because it was my uh, first uh sambo uh, tournament it was my first national t uh, US open um in um in US so I was really really excited and happy and then I started um looking back and I was like oh you know I think this helped me a lot and I start I started adding different things to it and um and I have a lot of students in in judo and even in jiu-jitsu community. Um, I would have them train with it. Um, well, different aspects of it because it, later on I had to put it, all the um, all the modalities I I used and made it one one tool. So that's kind of how it uh, 
came together and you know I applied for the patents and everything and and put it on social media and it's been a it's been an amazing experience and it's uh I feel like I've been growing and learning more every day it's just been it's been really exciting so that's kind of how it slowly came together so how did you what what did the first grippito look like how did you like uh construct this cuz i know it's it's all aluminum uh right now right uh, uh it's actually steel yeah oh, okay steel thin gauge steel so how did you how did you create that to begin with was the prototype similar to what it is now uh well somewhat somewhat it, it was a little it was i made one prototype i got i got a drawing and um i found a local uh w welding shop and i sent it to them and i had to get on the phone and explain to them and they they sent it to me um they didn't build exactly what i want but um but later on i just did, did some thinking and i i simplified it and i just actually after that i kind of got lucky but i've been i have been thinking about it for a very long time and i have been i ha always have been making different tools out of wood mostly um and and i always had like uh, especially uh in the in the grip training world there's a lot of things you can, you can do uh with wood and you can make yourself um so i always been trying testing things for a very long time um, then one day I kind of got the, the second prototype done and it came in mail and, um, and I, and I put it in a bucket of sand and I was like, oh, this is, it started working and, and, uh, I start training in the sand and I had to put a little bit cause I had really bad elbow pain. Um, but it was like the one thing I could do without elbow pain. Like I could do it the next day or two, I would, I wouldn't have elbow pain. And it was one thing I could actually do at like almost at max effort, uh, because if you're going to go into a tournament, you really want to you want to uh, train max effort. You don't want to really hold back um, because of an injury. Um, so because of that, it was one thing that I could do without pain. It was mainly what I did for the tournament. But also my elbow started getting better, and it was actually ready for a lot of the other exercises they would make me do at physical therapy. And I started loading it up. And um, my elbow start feeling better, and uh, then I also realized it's it's all it's especially for grip athletes. It's a great way to warm up, great way to cool down. Um, so that that's kind of how it came together. Um, I think because I always been thinking and I always uh, put things together, it was a fairly quick process. Um, but also, um, I, I I absolutely love physics. And high school had a really great physics teacher, and um, she's been—I think she's been a, a very important person in my life. Uh, with, with a lot of how a lot of things turned out, um, but she really taught me uh, the basics of physics, but also going to judo. And I think I think you can relate too. When you do a martial art like judo, jujitsu, it's a lot easier to understand physics because it's all really physics, and because of that. I was able to uh, visualize things a lot easier in my mind and kind of know how that's going to uh, turn out to be. I think that was another really uh, important uh, component. Um, but after I came up with SAM method, um, I read about pat patents and things like that. And they, the one thing is like, it has to be for multiple things, not just really one thing for it to get a utility patent. And then I was like, well, I, all these other things I, I use, I can make a part of it. And then really what I've been just journaling a lot, drawing and testing things. 
really just one night I was thinking, I was like, well, you know, I, I can have this attached to a barbell and I can do all my forearm uh, exercises with the barbell, but now I can just use the ball and everything just clicked. And I was like super happy. And my wife thought I was crazy. <laughs> uh, she thought, she absolutely thought I lost it because the first grappito I made didn't actually fit on a barbell. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little bit. It was a little bit less than two inches, so it wouldn't fit. But then I was like, "Let me get this done, a little like uh, to fit on a barbell, which had a lot of challenges, because uh, when you weld, I didn't realize because of the heat, the uh, the metal distorts, and mm-hmm. we actually at that time I had my buddy. It was kind of luck too. My buddy called me one day and said, "Hey, I, I start taking welding class." I was like, "Oh, that's interesting," and I was like, "Hey, I have this project. Do you want to do it?" and um, and it was a challenge to weld the metal without having it distort. So he actually had to put a barbell into the pipe when he welded it because the the, the uh, it was keep distorting. And it, after we would weld the uh, pipe, it would not fit on a barbell. So that's how we first did it. But then it uh, then we figured out other ways to do it. But that's kind of how it um, came together. And um, and I, the, the third thing after that was putting the um, the, the uh, deadlift converter uh, thing that attaches, and you can do a lot of. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, grip sport, where they yeah. lift a lot of. Okay. Yeah, the so rolling I, thunder. I'm I'm familiar with the rolling thunder challenge. Uh, yes, yes, yes. So yeah, they have a lot of different tools they lift off the ground, and I was like, well, then I can do this, which is uh, grip sports a solid. Uh, sport it's an awesome sport um and but i feel like for judo jiu-jitsu or really any sport like gripping is super super important but it's not just gripping um your wrists forearm uh has to be able to uh be strong like when you're especially when you're doing like uh arm bar or anything when you're manipulating a joint or uh, when you're gripping uh it's not just it's it's just not a hand squeeze in real world. Well, uh, yeah. also like cross collar chokes, right? Uh, like if, if you have weak wrists and exactly. your, your wrists break down uh, exactly. and, and they collapse, then then the choke's not going to be set right. So exactly. like, you yep. see where this yep. comes into play. Yep, yep. That's a, that's actually one of the prime examples I give. I forget you're a jiu-jitsu guy. Uh, yeah, for the chokes, it's yeah, you, you get it. Your your ulnar and radial uh, deviators, and if, if they give out, you can have the strongest grip in the world. Um, but it's not. I'm sure there's some ways to manipulate it to do it, but like really, um, I'm a firm believer in technique. But I'm a firm believer, and there's nothing wrong with putting strength behind technique. And I think uh, just watching. Just knowing how judo evolved and how strength training played a part with a lot of the techniques and things changing, um, I feel like uh, that's going to happen with uh, jiu-jitsu too. Uh, now we're seeing more people getting black belts, more people are being, uh, you know, learning really good jiu-jitsu. I feel like uh, strength and conditioning is going to be uh, becoming more and more important, and I think it has been. I think a lot of jiu-jitsu guys have been doing a lot of they're, – they're more open to doing strength and conditioning now. Uh, then, like, I feel like 10, 15 years ago, um, I, I think it, around then I would have some jiu-jitsu friends saying, oh, it's just technique, just technique, you don't have to. I was like, oh, you know, I, I guess you can argue both ways, but I think they're both, I think it's very important um, to, you know, have sound 
strength and conditioning um, for performance, but also for injury prevention. You know, when you, um, especially for a sport like jujitsu, you don't, um, you, you know, you're prone to injuries. You can be depending on how you train and who you train. And um, I got my tennis elbow actually happened at a tournament. A, a guy got an arm bar on me in 2014 Maryland uh, Open. Um, against an uh, Eastern European uh, guy, super strong guy, um, and he got an arm bar on me, and he actually didn't open my, I was gripping my collar, he didn't open my arm, but he did that like a manipulation to my elbow, and mm-hmm. goodness, something just, something just, I felt something snap. <laughs> so, um, you're, you're mentioning judo a lot. Uh, let the listeners know um, your background. How did you get into judo? Um, you, you've been doing it for quite a while now at a young age and where did you start judo? So I was, I was born in the U.S. Um, I started karate actually when I was uh, around two, two, three years old. Uh, I did it for a short time, but I feel like at, when you're so young, I feel like you just so easy to learn. Um, um, then later when I was seven, I moved to Turkey to a, a small town beach city uh, called Antalya. Um, uh, my mom and dad, uh, they're educators, and uh, and they met in U.S. while they're in college. And uh, but they, um, after visiting Turkey and being Turkish, they're like, you know, let's move here. And they thought it was a great small town to raise kids. So uh, we uh, we moved there when I was seven. Um, around my mom and dad knew I was obsessed with martial arts as a kid. I was absolutely obsessed. I just would watch every martial arts movie buy like a lot of the um, martial arts magazines and studying myself. My dad had a friend and his friend did judo and uh, he he convinced my dad to start me in judo and my parents, uh, I think they just knew that like we got to make this kid do martial arts. He just loves it and it's a waste. If he doesn't, you know, they could clearly see how passionate I was about it. So I started judo when I was 12 in Turkey, um, which was, for me, I was really, really lucky uh, because Turkey had really good wrestling background, and we had a, I, I got to wrestle with really good guys, and I got to learn about wrestling. Um, we had a lot of um, Ukrainian or Russian athletes that did sambo, so I was actually exposed to sambo, and I learned sambo, and it was I was really, really lucky to be exposed to so many really good styles and also um, it, where like the Eastern European judo style is, is very different um, and strength uh, is very important and grip game is very important. And it was, it was really good for me to be exposed to that. I was, I was super lucky. Um, I was competing a lot. I was doing really, really well. Um, but then I got, when I was in high school, uh, going, getting into college is very very difficult in Turkey, especially that time. I think around that time, I think Korea and Turkey was one of the toughest countries to get into college. Uh, it was it was super challenging. So I like, was not like college over there, right? Uh, yeah, in, college in over country? there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's it's and in uh, especially in Turkey, if you wanna if you wanna have even really honestly, if, even when you go to college, it's like it doesn't get it's. It's challenging. It's uh, especially with the economy and a lot of things. Uh, it's uh, it's really unfortunate. So there's not too many ways out uh, in Turkey, unfortunately. So I I knew I had to go to college. Um, so I was studying a lot. Um, 
I competed in the nationals, um, even though I wasn't training much. Uh, I think that year I trained like once or twice. But uh, when when they when they told me to com- I'm going to compete, um, I remember going for a couple runs and you know doing rowing and doing some sauna and and I guess being being young too, you're I guess you're you don't you're still in shape I guess I don't know right now there's no way I would think I could be able to pull that off. Um, but I competed. I went against a really good guy. He was um, he was on the national team. And it was a it was a nasty fight. It was it was it was tough. It was really really tough. And uh, I lost with just a penalty. Like we both didn't throw each other, and I lost with a penalty. I was really bummed out. I was really upset. Um, but then I start winning. I, I won my next fight, and I won my next fight, and I won my next fight. Uh, and each fight was really incredible. Uh, like I actually at one point. I passed out on the ground and the referee didn't notice I was out and somehow I got back up. I just recall I was in a tournament and I was like, holy cow, where am I? And I was like, oh, and then I was like, this next thing was, holy cow, I'm in a tournament. And then something happened. I don't know. I threw my, I did like a, like a suplex, like pickup. Uh, we call it Uranage and I, and I, and I threw my opponent uh, for a full point and I won. So it was, it was really exciting. And, um, and then I was able to I play I placed four, uh, fourth place. Um, I came back. You know, uh, my school gave me an award. I didn't get a medal at the tournament, but my school was really happy. I was top five. Um, uh, they gave me an award. Um, then my coaches were they always wanted me to go get on a national, try to get on a national team and focus on the Olympics. But my mom, my dad, being a professor at the university. The, uh, in that region, and my mom being a teacher, they they did not want me to go that route. Um, one day, my my dad and my uh, my judo coach talked, and my judo coach told him, he's like, hey, you know, if he trained, if he focused, I, he's like, I really think he has a chance, you know. And but um, my parents were like, uh, you know what, we want him to focus on school, and uh, and I, looking back, it was it was really tough for me uh, um, to just you know just put that on the shelf at that time but they were right and even though i got into a good college in turkey my mom and dad was like well you know we have an opportunity to come back to us and so you can go to college so so we packed up really it was overnight my mom's like we're going we're going to america tomorrow and um it was really quick and we packed up and uh, in a couple of days uh, and we got on a flight came to us and and then, then while I was in U.S., I um, I wanted to study something that is still related to judo, and I got really lucky to find out uh, about biomedical engineering, and um, and biomechanics. And uh, I was talking to a couple of teachers at the one of the universities I wanted to go to, and the guy was asking me, he's like, he's like, hey, do you know, do you like sports? And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> So, um, so I kind of started, then I started doing my, uh, bachelor's and master's, uh, but I was competing, uh, in the U.S. Um, I won 2002 U.S. Navy Open, uh, which was a really, uh, probably my, uh, toughest tournaments, uh, biggest judo tournaments I competed in. Um, I competed in a lot, a lot of national, uh, sorry, not national, sorry, uh, Maryland, Virginia Open, like, uh, probably 10, 15 times each, uh, um, and then I started jujitsu, and then I started teaching. 
And that's kind of my after when I went to when I went to um, when I went to do my bachelor's and master's. I really loved biomechanics, and I had a professor. He he was actually uh, he loved UFC, and he would uh, he found out that you know I, I do judo and uh, other martial arts. Um, he would have me over on uh, weekends uh, with a lot of the other students, and we watch um, a lot of UFC fights. And you know they would ask me, you know, what's he doing? Like I feel like now people know a lot of things a lot better than. Uh, uh, 12, 13 yeah, they, years ago. They, they know, but then again, you still have a lot of ignorant people that don't know of course, what, what's of course, really going on. Yeah. They just want they want that one punch knockout. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, really, totally. like they don't understand. Like, like these two are very good at everything, and uh, it's very difficult to what they're doing. It's a chess match essentially in in any in any grappling or any martial art, right? It's a it's a human chess match. Oh, totally. Uh, yeah, a constant yeah, actually, moving puzzle. Like it's a puzzle, like a Rubik's cube that's always moving on you that you're trying to unlock. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, so I was basically just explaining to them with uh, with the information I I had at that time uh, a lot of the you know techniques and what they're trying to accomplish and you know, and even just demonstrate some of the uh, chokes and techniques uh, and it was just it was really fun and uh, my professor uh, being you know having a strong really strong biomechanics background and everything it was really it was really great to see the things he would point out and he just he just thought it was um, one of the well, it is one of the most challenging sports. But he, he could see it back then, uh, early uh, earlier stages of UFC, how incredible these athletes are, how smart they have to be to put all these different martial arts together, and how challenging it is to put it together, and you know, and to take punches, uh, and still try to you know apply all this all these uh, techniques, and it's it is just something completely incredible and it's completely different than any other sport i feel like uh just mastering jujitsu uh you see you know it takes a lifetime and you do, do judo same and then boxing and everything and then you're putting it together it's just absolutely incredible and it's like a chess match you know it's a constant chess match and um and he had so much appreciation for it but um so uh i got a question um is it common uh like your parents studied over here in the u.s right uh, and and they go back to Turkey. Is it common for people to go back and either teach or whatever they learned here in the U.S. go back to Turkey and apply what they learned there? Um, or how did that work? How did your why did your parents want to go back to Turkey? Well, I think uh, my dad. So my dad, um, he got a lot of scholarships uh, when he came to U.S. for his uh, for for his uh, uh, undergraduate. And masters, and they paid for everything. Um, and my dad just felt like he owes it to his country that he has to go back and, um, you know, teach and uh, and give back to the community. Um, I think he, uh, that's something he really, really want to do. And I feel like if he if if he couldn't do that, he would never find peace. I think that was one of the main reasons. Um, and my dad went back and uh, and he taught. Um, chemistry and um, for for years um, and and he started different programs in the Mediterranean University and um, and, and it was really really great he, I think he brought a lot of great knowledge from U.S. and uh, helped the program there and I think that was one of the main reasons but also I think around that time 
Um, my mom and dad just thought it would, they just really loved the beach and they thought it would be a great area for to bring up, uh, raise kids. Um, yeah, they kind of made that decision around that it, time. How's the education like in Turkey? Uh, that like from what you see, like uh, younger kids in America versus like kids in Turkey. Like, is is the education pretty? Uh, uh, are are they focused on education a lot? Well, I'm sure things have changed. It's been a very long time. Oh, okay. But around around the time when I was there, it was just vicious, man. I would I would start school at like seven. Uh, Seven ten and it would uh, seven thirty something around that and it would finish at like five fifteen like it was a full day, class after class, and um, a ton of homework, a ton of homework, a lot of exams, and it, it was it was not easy. And uh, in in high school, the last two years, I would have to get like private lessons uh, to you know get into uh, college. Like the SAT is a serious, like something, they would have something similar to the SAT. It is just really, really tough. So after school at five o'clock, I would, you know, go to like a private uh, teacher, like for physics or chemistry or whatever I'm focusing on at least two, three nights of a week. Um, I would do that and I'll come home and I'll, I'll study until like 10, 11 o'clock every day. And on Saturday at nine o'clock to three o'clock, uh, my parents would pay for a different, uh, it's like a second type of um, prep school that many of my friends would go. And it was tough. It was really, really tough. And I actually had a lot of friends. um, I found out later they were on antidepressants uh, because they couldn't cope with the stress. Um, I was going to say, that's got to be mentally tough, especially as a kid. All that studying, like, eh, and there's a lot of pressure I can imagine, right? Like a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, a lot of, so. and if you can't make it in to a college, you just have to do, you have to wait a year study again. And it's very common. Sometimes it takes three, four or five years. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, 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 it is a lot of stress um, at a, at an early age. And honestly, like the level of fit, like stuff I learned at that time, I honestly don't know how it is now, but like in college, I already knew a lot of the um, basic physics stuff, math, like a lot of the stuff I already take, I took it. So that was easy, but I had a lot of challenges with, um, with like English, Uh, even though English was my first language, I never was really writing, uh, uh, reading in English much. So a lot of the classes I took that, that was, that was a challenge for me. But I absolutely love uh, uh, America's approach with, um, at least in college, I love their, uh, you learn a lot about doing research and things like that. And I feel like in Turkey, it's a lot of memorization. And I feel like in college, in Turkey, things slow down, students slow down. Once they get into college, I think they're already burnt out. Um, So I I honestly don't know if it's really the best approach. Um, But I do feel like, yeah, uh, high school here compared to there it's, it's it was a walk in the park uh from from what i saw well i think uh, here i think they water uh, our education systems so watered down to so everybody gets a feel-good trophy of like hey i graduated but like did you really graduate because uh i mean yeah you got that paper but can you really apply like what mm-hmm. your level should be because if you look at this is why I'm asking. Uh, you might have been hounded 
to like learn higher educational things than what you would see today in high school. And you're like, I just think uh, it's watered down. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then, then I was like, uh, I couldn't wrap it around my head. I was like, did they finish at two o'clock? Like what? <laughs> when I first came, I, I could have like the high school, I could like two or three o'clock. It's like, uh, my wife's a teacher now. And, um, and it looks like some of the things are even making it easier. And I feel like, the next generation from, at least in this area, uh, from a lot of stuff my wife tells me, it, it makes me worried. Uh, it, it really does. Uh, for, mm-hmm. for, yeah. She, she, yeah. She tells me these stories. I'm like, like what? With what kids get away with and things like that. And, um, yeah, it, it's just, it's, I don't think it's great. I think it's gonna, it, can, it can be a bigger problem if they don't and correct I, it. I think that's why you should put your kid in jujitsu or judo, uh, because it teaches them a ton of discipline, and mm-hmm. there is zero handouts in mm-hmm. those martial arts to where they learn that, yeah, you actually have to work hard, you know, to advance. Like, it, you're not, mm-hmm. this isn't a handout thing, you know, so. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I completely, I completely agree. I think, yeah, the discipline, and like, you learn, you learn so much, and I think, I think right now we we need it more than uh, I, f- I feel like the kids in U.S. growing up they definitely need it. I can't wait for my daughter to start. Um, so I had a friend actually. So when I came to U.S., um, two of my buddies they kind of pursued the uh, try the uh, national team uh, route, the Olympic dream route. Um, one of them, uh, I think he's still he's with the national team. He's their strength and conditioning coach now. Um, one of them. He did really well. Uh, he did really well. He, he has not placed. He hasn't made it to Olympics, uh, but he uh, he he grew and he learned a lot. It was really fascinating um, uh, to see uh, a lot of the accomplishments he made. Um, I got him. I got an invitation for him to come to New York Open uh, uh, for judo tournament, and he came and he placed uh, third place. Um, he fought against a really great guy, a four-time Olympian, uh, Brian Olson, and he, and he lost it. But still, New York Open in the judo, it's it's such a tough tournament. Uh, a lot of the uh, U.S. Olympians, uh, they, they don't even get first place, really. Um, so he actually stayed in U.S. because I, I got him to come to USA after that, he just stayed in New York and he got married and he, he got a green card and he stayed here. But, um, I was actually talking to him and he has two kids and, and he's a, you know, completely uh, different generation. And like, uh, being a, you know, being on a national team member in judo t- takes so much discipline and it's, it's day in, day out grinding. And he, he would tell me how actually mentally, um, depressing it is sometimes because They'll be tra- training all day long, and it's just, it was really tough. And, but talking to him, and he sees his kids, he's having such a hard time seeing his kids just being on social media all the time. He can't take their phones from them, and, and uh, man, he's, he's just absolutely losing his mind. But he made him, his kids start doing martial arts, um, and luckily they, they want to keep doing it and they, they like it and it's not too much of a struggle for him to get him to do it. But, um, hopefully that's going to help. But I think, I think right now what I'm trying to get to is I think right now that with all the social media and so easy to just turn on a TV and finding TV shows and things like that. And, 
I think the kids really need something that they learn discipline uh, more than any other time, really. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely not going to get it in a school, that's for sure. I mean, maybe <laughs> the, maybe the parent, but a professor uh, in martial arts is definitely a great route. I mean, I know a lot of kids, they look up, I mean, you know, us, even as adults, we look up to your professor because it's like, man, this guy's grinded it out. He earned that black belt through many hours on the mat. So you respect that guy because they were the grind. Uh, yeah, 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 totally, totally, yep, yep. And in jujitsu club, they're not they're not gonna like t- take shit from these little little kids, man. They're gonna you know they're, they're gonna put their foot down. And oh yeah, definitely. Um, so my wife tells me some of the things that their kids do at school, and she's like, I can't really do much about it. I can just do this, and we're not. So um, how did you get into what you studied in college? Uh, I know you mentioned with the teacher, you really appreciated the physics side, and then you got into biomechanics, right, or bio? Well, it was, a, so uh, I got into biomedical uh, engineering program at uh, Catholic University, and it's a it's a wide umbrella. There's bio, biomedicine, there's uh, uh, bio-optics, and then biomechanics, and I mostly focused on uh, bio um Sorry, bio-optics and biomechanics, since I, I like them uh, the most. But um, so when I got here, I found out there was a Turkish professor at Catholic University, and um, and my dad actually uh, he worked at he was a teacher at Catholic University at, when he was in the U.S. Uh, he, um, teaching uh, chemistry. So he took me there, and you know, introduced some of his friends were still there. He introduced me to some of the professors. And um, I met that one uh, Turkish uh, professor that was there, and I did not know much about biomedical engineering, but when we started talking about um, sports and biomechanics, it just clicked for me, and I absolutely love physics, so it was it was just really, like, I, I feel like, um, I don't know, I feel like it's, looking back, it just feels like it was meant to be. Um, I couldn't find anything uh, more suitable for me. Uh, because of my passion for engineering and physics. Um, so that's kind of how I went um, in that in that direction. Now, did you apply physics to, like, your judo game or, uh, or jiu-jitsu yeah. game now, I guess? Well, yes. Um, understanding physics always helps uh, um, with judo. And I think uh, – so I'm a shorter guy, so I, I, I was naturally doing a lot of throws with my lower center of gravity, things like that. Um, so when you when you're learning judo, even if you don't, if you want to ignore physics, you're not like even if you just want to be successful with judo, you, everything you do, you're going to be using uh, good physics, um, like uh, like a ipon seinagi, like a shoulder throw, getting underneath your opponent. If you don't lower your center of gravity, it's going to be very difficult picking him up. But if you lower, depending on the way you do the technique, you don't want to lo- lose too much time either. You want to make it really quick, and there's different modifications. Uh, you can do it to the technique. Um, so there's always a battle of using uh, leverage, momentum, uh, uh, power, um, obviously force. Uh, but understanding all those concepts, I feel like I feel like it helped me. I feel like uh, um, I implemented it. Also, but when I was doing like biomechanics, um, I, I took a lot of classes on, uh, I guess, biomechanics, and we would focus on lot of the um, issues that uh, some of the patients with like different injuries that are having 
and just understanding like some of the biomechanics and some of the issues are um made me realize like i was i would apply some of that to like foot sweeps like knowing when the heel is slightly above the knee uh the angle and things like that i learned in my biomechanics classes i would play with it i would like oh so the research shows this that's the uh for that injury this is what's this angle is what makes him prone to uh, uh falling and things like that i would like i would test those and try those things um but yeah not just that i think it also helped my strength of condi- strength and conditioning and uh building things just constantly uh trying to build different tools yeah so things like that uh things like that i feel like it uh, played an important role and that's kind of how it played into uh grappito but even before grappito there's a lot of there's a lot of different tools that i use i made myself and i i hope to one day make them and put them out there um uh, i mean what kind of like what kind of tools were you making um was it for like explosive power type drills uh grappitos uh a lot for um you know what you did for your tennis elbow and and, and all the elbow forearm and stuff so like what what would you build well so for i would build initially like a lot of grip stuff like the rolling t- thunder as you know it's basically like a uh rolling handle right but you can do a lot of like mm-hmm. um what you can use wood and you can you know make lifts like like a round piece of wood or if it's like um kind of like a like a uh like a block so things like that you can make a block or you can make it um I would uh I would carve wood where you can just put like one finger in and you can just focus on one finger lifts or like I would do like straps where I could um well now there's products uh I think like yeah. the eagle loop like things like yeah, that talent, I, I got talent grips yeah, yeah, talent. I, I actually have that one too. But um, I would actually like hang straps, and I would try to do pull-ups with one finger in, or I'll I'll just hang like five, six of them, kind of like go through them like American Ninja Warrior. Um, mm-hmm. I have like some tools that um, are similar to some tools that I use in arm wrestling. I don't know if you know, um, like wrist wrench. Um, it's a it's a it's a grip the grip community grip sport community uses it, but I think it's a lot of the arm wrestling community uses it. But I have different models I made, maybe similar to that, but it's a, a little bit different. It applies that concept with other concepts. So I have a lot of different tools like that I made that I use for myself. Um, but also I have some things I built that that uses my core. Um, uh, that it's that are things that are not on the market, and I just. I'm always trying to improve them and always trying to, I'm always trying to find an edge that's going to help my, I guess my rolling thunder lift or my, you know, grip, uh, grip stuff I do, but mainly it's always to apply to end of the day. It's always to apply to my judo jujitsu game really. So who has a, who has more gripping tools, you or Daniel Strauss? I I, I watched that guy (laughs) on Instagram and, his his wall of uh, implements is crazy, and just just the way yeah. he he trains is crazy in itself. But uh, yeah. obviously, it's very effective because he's a really really strong guy. Yeah, yeah, I definitely don't. I wouldn't want him to get a hold of my neck. That guy, yeah, his yeah, that guy is a beast, man. He's really super super strong, but just like his hands and his wrists. 
Um, it's really great that he saw uh, the same value that those type of training can bring for judo and jiu-jitsu, and it's great to see him educate a lot of jiu-jitsu guys with a lot of these tools. I see him, he's explaining a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you saw, I sent him, a, uh, he was the first person I sent a grappito to. Yeah, I saw a um, review. I saw him, I didn't see the review, but I saw that he did do a review on it. So uh, what did he think of your grappito? Yeah, uh, he 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 liked it, and he seemed really honest. And he was like the first guy I sent it to, and uh, I think for him it was like, like um, especially Sand Method, it's like completely different than anything. I feel like a lot of people like hesitate a little bit, like oh, okay, but then then he tried it, and he he talks about how he tried it with rice and um, sand, and you know how sand was so much harder, and it wasn't what he thought it would be, and. Um, yeah, he he. Uh, it was that was one of my most exciting moments seeing that he he really liked it. And when he texted me, he's like, "Man, I love this thing." I, I actually, I think I printed out that text and I put it on my table to keep me keep me focused and working. And it kind of motivated me just seeing that um, him sending. I think it was actually uh, like a Facebook uh, message he sent mm-hmm. me. And he's he's like the nicest guy. He's really awesome, and you know that guy is like battle tested, like he competes and he does all this stuff. And, and, uh, if you're in grip sport or or arm wrestling, uh, which I've been studying for a long time, um, like I know a lot of the tools he has on the wall, I used one form or another of it, but he definitely, he definitely wins. I have a ton of grip (laughs) stuff. (laughs) My, my wife is not happy about it. Um, but yeah, he, he has a massive collection. Um, so you said, he he explained that rice versus sand is is a different element. Uh, I've I put mine in rice right now, mm-hmm. uh, and the reason why I like it because I got these these small hands, and you know, ever since a kid, you know, the Whopper Junior hands really like like I I got these tiny hands, so I really like it because I really need to rely a lot on like on my grip because I just can't like wrap my fingers around people's geese and just lock in. Right. I, I have to truly focus on that type of training. Uh, but mine's in rice right now. So is sand harder? Well, I didn't really, honestly, I, I didn't play with sand too much because uh, there's a, there's a long story behind that. But um, when you do it with, with, um, with uh, sand, when you put a 50 pound, like a five gallon bucket, takes almost uh, about a 50 pounds of sand. It's a lot of sand. And if you fill it up like 75, 80% and you start going deep, uh, like it's really humanly impossible to have it go in like to full length and being able to turn that. It gives a crazy amount of uh, resistance. And it, yeah. it's up to you what you want to work with. You can, mm-hmm. you can uh, start low. What I like to do is I start like uh, about having two inches into the sand and then slowly start increasing it. But then, then later towards the end of, if I'm, let's say I'm working on a minute uh, drill, uh, towards the end, I will take it out and just to make it easier but, so I can keep going. Um, but sometimes I will just do like a five-second, ten-second round, and I'll just go max. But you will get a ton of resistance with the sand. Well, it makes sense because sand is uh, a, like a more dense object, right? So as you're trying mm-hmm. to turn that, sand's falling in and filling so you have like zero air gap, but rice, obviously uh, the grain, there's going to be a lot of airspace for easier movement. But I did notice that obviously the deeper you go, the more resistance you're going to have. So if you just need to lighten it up, just pull it up a little bit and you're good to go. 
yeah, yeah. And uh, it's that's one thing I I kind of uh, I like because like a sled, you put a certain weight on and you have to stop and put different weights with this. You can like easily adjust it during the game during during the training, which is kind of similar to jujitsu and judo when you're rolling. It's constantly changing the force your opponent's applying on you, and depending on how quick he's recovering and things like that, I kind of, I kind of like the live feeling of, like uh, live feedback of that that I can change it really quick and uh, train my muscles uh, to respond if that if that makes sense. So, going from biomechanics, uh, and you're getting you get your degree in the the what is it biomedical field or mm-hmm. yep. Um, yep. What took place in your brain when uh, you wanted to, you thought about Grappito? You're like, you explained it a little bit why, because you had tennis elbow. But um, how long did it take from like, uh, let's say, napkin at the bar, right? That's where great ideas happen. And oh, until your first, yeah. uh, first prototype. Well, honestly, I think it, that process was fairly quick. But there was so much before that happened, like all this, all this uh, physics, all this training for years, and all this uh, strength training with the judo and jujitsu stuff that happened for years, and always learning about strength training. Um, I would, you know, take classes on Michael Boyle's uh, strength uh, series, strength seminars, and always try to learn, always try to understand strength and conditioning more and more. Uh, to uh, improve my uh, performance for judo and jiu-jitsu. So there was like so much of that happened. But the part where I kind of came up with that idea, like, whew, it wasn't it wasn't really that long. Like two, three months really was fairly quick. And, um, and, I, and I'm not a guy that's cranking out things all the time. It was like that one thing that happened super quick. And I, I wish I could constantly replicate that and do something, you know, but... But it, it just it just kind of happened. Um, well, you kind of did, it, right? You kind of yeah, did with the yeah. torpedo because you have the ball. You got like the uh, up in you know when people go to your website, they'll see you got like a handle. So I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. you kind of evolved this particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, this one has a, the other ideas. Um, well, yeah, all the other ideas I think over the last couple of years I slowly added uh, the hub handle. Um, there, there's like a rip curl. Uh, to kind of improve the the tra- the the experience while while you're training, uh, each handle is a little bit different. Uh, yeah, so but th- those were kind of modifying it a little bit, and that whole thing probably took like it's still actually happening right now. I still I still trying to add more, but all that I think took like three four years if I include that. But even before that, I tried a lot of different ideas. I built a lot of stuff that I thought would be great. It 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 didn't actually work out well. But that one just did, and uh, and then I improved it, which was super how hard, exciting. How hard was it to like get it all patented? I mean, you know, because the minute you come out with something, somebody's gonna just tweak it and try and try and call it their own. Was that a pretty tough process? Well, so I got the design patent right uh, right now. I got that. That was uh, I got that, and I did a utility patent. And I'm actually so the utility patent. It's been a few years uh, that we're, we're working on. I'm still actually working on, it, but we're we're pretty close to like uh, uh, finishing wrapping that up. Hopefully, hopefully soon. I'm still in the process of that, but it is challenging. And the 
one of the reason I added all those different components to it so that it is um, diff- more difficult to, for someone to patent. And th- that is something frustrating. You build something and someone can find a loophole and go around it. But um, I try to make Grapido very different than anything else out there uh, so that I can avoid that. And, and that's a huge challenge. Um, that, 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 uh, I think a lot of the thinking I had to do was really for that part. What is a utility patent like so, versus a, the design? Obviously, I know design patent mm-hmm. makes sense, but what's a utility yeah. patent do? Yeah, so just to something about the design patent, too, I, I actually didn't know. Like, if someone changes it a little bit and they apply for it, they actually can possibly get it, you know? So that's mm-hmm. uh, that's something, um, it really depends on uh, the patent examiner uh, that, that gets it and possibly the mood they are in that day, you know, it's it's kind of scary. Um, but it's it's a, it's a whole, the whole thing is really challenging and the more I find out about patents, it's, it's actually a little frustrating. Um, so I got the design patent. Hopefully someone, if they do make it, they don't build the exact thing. Um, and if they do try to build something close to it, hopefully it gets rejected. Um, but the utility patent, it actually it, it, it protects all the uses, um, mostly. And I'm, I'm still learning about this, actually. It's, it's still a lot of things. I'm still, even yesterday I was talking to my, my patent team, and I'm still... Uh, still learning but mainly the overall uses that i have for it um there's like there's like independent claims and they have to make dependent claims even still the whole thing is just it frustrates me a lot this patent stuff i don't i don't think i could be a patent examiner the whole thing is just it's just really odd and weird and um i think it makes sense for certain things but it doesn't make sense for a lot of, like it doesn't apply to everything, um, but mainly I'm trying to protect the, the a product that would uh, all the uses that we listed. It will protect someone to make something that has all those uh, uses. That seems pretty intense. Uh, it yeah, it is. <laughs> you said team, so I can't imagine one person trying to figure all this out. I, I'm sure there are people out there like that, but um, you definitely need a team for so, something like that. It, it seems very complex. It is, and honestly, it's so complex. Like I was talking to one engineer, and he told me something, and I respond, emailed the group, and then some. The main engineer says, "Well, that's not 100% correct." I was like, "Man, like, why aren't you guys all on the same page? This is this is going to be very difficult if." If someone says something, another person like has. If you guys have different opinions on something that I think should be fairly straightforward, um, it's a different business. It's a really different, odd business. Um, I'm not. I'm not excited about patents. I'll. I'll tell you that much. So, I can't imagine you were scared. Like when you took it to a welder, you got it all welded up for the first time. Um, I mean, did you think that like they're probably thinking you're like trying to make some sort of like rocket launching <laughs> yeah. device that you could just like yeah. like a like a potato gun like you're going like one step further than like the kids in biology like doing those like paper rockets, but you're yeah. you're launching these like metal uh, 15 pound like devices yeah. into the air. Yes, I'm actually I was worried they think I'm trying to build like some weapon or something. And when I actually had it in the garage at one point, 
um, like my brother-in-law, we had some in his garage that because we had to um, fix the painting on it, uh, it would it would get like chipped off when we get it. So we would make sure the garage is closed because it looks like we have like 50 different rockets in the garage. And um, yeah, it, 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 it's, that's been something that we worried about and we still are trying to put a tweak on it to make it look not as like a weapon and a little bit friendlier, like to change the color or something. Um, or put like a rubber handle or something like that, which is included in our patents. But yeah, when I actually first sent it to the um, welders, I was a little bit worried, but I was like, hopefully they don't know what this is. Because it's like, even when I explain this, like Grappito, um to someone that is in fitness, it's a little bit like, it will take a while for them to understand that w- even when I explained it. So I was ho- just hoping and praying they don't figure it out and they apply for, you know, it's, yeah. I don't know. It's very unlikely, but when you're trying to, uh, when you have an idea and you want to protect it and you think it's a great idea to you, you start thinking about these things. And another main challenge I had was I would not like show like the full, like the finished model that does all these things to my friends, not because I don't trust them, but because that if they're somewhere, they, I don't know, like my buddy, I have a friend that is a physical therapist and, you know, he likes to drink. And if he's at a bar drinking and he's like talking about it and he doesn't realize it, you know, uh, like at the least, I don't want that in back of my head. I don't want to worry. What if he like accidentally mentioned it, you know? So that was another challenge. I'm doing something that I really haven't shown to many people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is this going to turn out to be? Like I'm, I couldn't get much feedback until the patent was in the system and at that point you get feedback it's kind of it's kind of almost too late well plus i mean plus you're excited too right you're like man i think this could change the game and you want to tell people but you really can't because i understand because yeah i mean it's not like you don't trust friends or people but yeah people talk and yeah you you don't know who they're talking to or who who is earshot away from that conversation yeah, and he might talk to a friend that he trusts as a friend, and you, 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 but you, you know, like it happens. And I hear a lot of uh, I hear a lot of stories. Um, it, yeah, it, it, and it it was tough because I'm like super excited about it, and I'll talk to my wife about it, and she completely doesn't get it, and she probably thinks I'm a nut job. Um, but yeah, when I first came up with it, I'm like, oh, this is actually this is something a lot of people can use, and it's cool, but it's it's all in my head, and. Yeah, and you can't tell anyone. It's uh, you definitely understand uh, what what I'm saying. I mean, it's almost like you're you're almost scared to like put it in journals too, right? Because like, man, what if like you lose that journal? Like you have yeah, you have like yeah. your mastermind and masterpiece within that that book. And yeah, 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 yeah. And I would I would actually have I would make like sketches around the house and. <laughs> Uh, my wife would actually say, you got to stop drawing those. We have the cleaning ladies look coming because of the shape it looks like. Uh, I get oh, a lot yeah. of jokes. <laughs> and she's like, you got to stop drawing those. You're like a like a little kid that's drawing these all over the place. And it's, it's, she would say it's actually uh, embarrassing. So so we have to make, I had to make sure I don't leave those around when people are over too. That's, that's another thing. But yeah. So um, are you still um, revolutionizing or like uh... – creating evolution of this Grappito? I mean, it's, I mean, it's a hell of a product right now as it is and what it's, what it does. Uh, um, 
I've only had it for a few months. Uh, but you know, I, one guy that I follow heavily is Neil Melanson. And that's, that's how I learned about Grappito. <laughs> so are you coming up with new crazy ways of how the Grappito can work? Well, so right now, um, I'm just kind of just focusing on it, getting out there, even though I have a lot of, a lot of other ideas that are in our utility patent that we could be patenting, but I, I don't want to put too much yeah, out there. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, so I kind of want to just focus on the four-inch model and, and just kind of just focus on getting that out there. And yeah, Coach Melenson, I I'm a huge fan of his uh, videos, and I've been following him forever. And he bought it through um, Elite FDS, and I, when I was fulfilling. Elite FDS sends it to us, and I was fulfilling the order. I didn't really think much of it. I didn't pay attention to the name. I didn't realize mm -hmm. it. But then he made a post, and I was like, oh, this guy. I know this guy. I, I watch his YouTube videos. I love the uh, – he has that one choke. I think he calls it a handgun choke. Mm -hmm. And it just – for me, it was a like a surreal moment. I was like, this is really – like the people I used to – absolutely love their videos and follow and now they're using my product and they're promoting it. it was it was it was a amazing experience and he's been he's been really great um uh he's been uh he put it in his dvds he talks about it and it's super exciting he's, he's an amazing person yeah um, I, I was uh i was fortunate enough to get a get a private with him um he's one guy that i really look up to in the grappling industry and that's that's a, he actually learned from Caro Parisian uh, in his yeah. Mastering the Triangle book. He talks about how he got so good at triangles is because of Caro. Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't know it was because of that. I know. Well, yeah, Caro was like, he's like, dude, you got these super long legs. Um, and he's like, you're not doing any other submission. And this is at Highestin, right? Um, <laughs> he's like, you're not doing any other submission. And you're hitting triangles at every angle, and that's it, that's what it says in the book. I'm, mm, it's not. I'm not. I'm not going verbatim, but that's. Yeah. yeah and the mastering the triangle choke book is, uh, it was an interesting um, little history on who he is and like why you know you don't really yeah. hear of him like as like a, a traditional black belt jujitsu guy, you know. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, he definitely has like a. Like, uh, he does a little bit, it seems like he likes catch wrestling and stuff, and he has, like, a twist on his things, which I really like. But, but I think that book, I try to get it. I, feel, I think it sold out at one point. I don't know if it's available now, but I saw, I think it's Vitor uh, Beltford. He he said something about um, Coach Melenson that, like, this guy can get you in a triangle. In any way, he'll just, just make it happy. Like, he had a quote about him. I was like, ah, that's that's really interesting. And apparently his triangles are supposed to be really great. Um, when I was, I think it was like, I don't know if it was a shared dog or some jujitsu form I was reading. Um, but yeah, he's, he's been really amazing, um, and, uh, w with helping us and getting the word out. Um, and a lot of people that get it, they tell us they, they saw it on his or, or they heard it from him saying it. Um, mm -hmm. um, I think, um, what's his name? Uh, we had, uh, Brandon Vera reach out after he made a post and he, and he said, He's like, ah, oh, Coach Melanson didn't didn't tell tell me about this, but I I need to get one. So he's been he's been really really great. But even before him, we actually we we had Gilbert Burns use it for a, a very long time now. I don't I don't I have to go back and see when we first got uh, him one out, and we start working with him, 
and I was so so excited Gilbert was gonna fight tomorrow. Like I was I was so heartbroken when I, know, I saw that he tested. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunate. It's still gonna be a good fight, but but yeah. he he pressed he pressed hard to uh, to get to where he is. Obviously in the in the jujitsu world and uh, being a high level UFC as well. Um, and yeah. I mean he's gonna yeah. he's gonna get his time. Uh, but yeah, I, I yeah yeah I just got you, so sad. <laughs> You said Gilbert Burns has been uh, using it for a long time. When did when did Grappito hit the scene? Um, so I have to go back. I think I got the first. So we did one, two. We did uh, I think three. Like we did three um, ads, like a paid uh, ads on his uh, Instagram. But I think um, many of the folks, and I think Gilbert too, um, that we they wanted to test it out before they agreed to it. So. We'll, I would send them the product and like the sand and, and I'll have them tested. And then, and I think it was the same with Grappito. I, I mean, if I have to, I have to go back and check, but he, um, after, after that phase, we, we, we did three paid uh, posts with him and we actually have a fourth one. Um, we couldn't do it because he found out he was going to fight for the, uh, title. And then now he, he got sick, but, um, I think it's been like a year, over a year, or maybe a year and a half. I have to go back, but he was he was definitely not not like where he's at. Um, I don't know if he was even. I don't know if he was top twenty five. I don't know what his ranking was around when we first got it to him. Oh, so how long has Grappito been? Like, how long have you been? Oh, has this product been on the market? Uh, about almost two, like two and a half, roughly two and a half years. Okay. A little bit over, yeah. So it's still young. So you're it's still you're trying to get gain traction with all these people. But I mean, it's already uh, you already have it in a lot of uh, major league uh, sports, right? And teams. Yeah, it, it's been exciting. Yeah, baseball players usually they they've they've uh, they have a lot of elbow injuries, uh, especially pitchers. Um, mm-hmm. So th- 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 that's been like something, and uh, they already do a lot of rice bucket exercises. So when they saw it, it clicked for them very easy um, to, to understand uh, the benefits. So I was first focusing on that, but then uh, jujitsu started happening, and I was like, I need to focus more on uh, jujitsu and wrestling. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the main focus has been because of that. But um, I, we have had like uh, hockey strength coaches. Uh, we have a lot of hockey uh, coaches use it um we have a lot of uh, some elite climbing gyms that use it um uh lacrosse uh coaches i feel like any any uh if like anything that requires a grip strong wrist strong forearms uh can uh benefit from it really um well, yeah, i can see so- i can see hockey and lacrosse cuz the the wrist the flick of the wrist with the uh, their shots and uh, you know so you gotta have solid wrist for those two. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think I started. I didn't really play much hockey growing up, but I was reading about it, and it looks like there is also uh, a correlation between grip strength and hockey. Uh, I guess the power when they hit the puck, like uh, they can generate. They found um, they found like some correlation. Uh, uh, from what I recall, if I remember correctly, but it makes sense, you know, like our hands, uh, I think the last few years, everybody's like doing grip training. Uh, I think, um, especially with the YouTube guys, uh, what's his name? Tom and Juji Mufu, uh, they kind of made it popular. I don't know if you follow them, but, um, I feel like more and more 
uh, last few years, the regular strength and conditioning community has been doing more grip, and it's more like 10 years ago, 12 years ago, when I talked to someone about like the rolling uh, thunder or a captain of crush grippers, they had no clue. They they didn't really like know. But now, uh, a lot of people uh, are, know, and it's kind of interesting that everybody's realizing how important you know grips are, and uh, uh, even just for weightlifting, uh, how important it can be. Well, I think it's rare that, like, um, I know, like, 10 years ago, finding an Iron Mag or Iron Mind magazine, like, on someone's coffee table, not not too many people know what Iron Mind is. Yeah, yeah, I used to, I used to love reading that. Yeah, you know, that that was a huge part of my uh, understanding, grip, training, and all that. And um, I had from uh, judo that that would get it, and we would we would compete a lot on like who's going to close the two and a half and two or, you know, even try three and things like that. And it's fun. It, it, grip, grip training can be addicting. Have you ever been featured in I, uh, Iron Mind uh, magazine? No, uh, it was featured in uh, climbing uh, magazine. Uh, um, last year, uh, I think it was our October issue. Uh, they, they wrote a, a small section on it. Um, we got some out to a climbing gym in, uh, uh, I think it was uh, called Mountain Strong, Colorado. Uh, we got a, a couple out to them, and I didn't know that the gentleman that works there actually writes for Climbing Magazine. Uh, he writes articles for them, so he uh, they, he really liked it, and he reached out to us when we talked. And um, it's been a it's been a while, but I think uh, basically uh, Climbing Magazine had him write the article. Um, and it was there, but it was, yeah, it was never in iron mind. Um, and I, I talked to them in the past, but I think they, they really just want to focus on moving their products and the whole fitness world with, you know, I totally get it. It's, it's, it's a business. And, um, when I, when I first got in, it was a little bit difficult for me, like, ah, this is, but then I realized this is how, this is how things work in the business world and everybody, just really cares about you know uh, themselves and profit when it comes to money and I've been learning more and more. But um, before I would I would take like it was it was a little bit uh, I I would get frustrated it's like ah oh, this you know like why not? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, uh, it's been fun. Yeah, it's been it's a, it's been a great experience and I and I totally understand uh, everybody you know everyone's point now. Yeah, and, I, I was gonna I was gonna say this. This also could be a good device because I used to throw in the Scottish Heavy Athletics. Ah, okay, nice. I, I mean, nice. I never like I never made it pro uh, just because those guys are just big mountains of men. But um, this kind of yeah. product kind of falls within that line because there is a lot of gripping of the caber, which is the big post that you got to flip. Um, mm, and, yes. you know, the, the grip of holding on to the 56 pound weight to throw. So I might have to nice. contact some old friends and see if they heard of you. Um, Thanks. So, yeah. So, um, what made you come up with the, what's your, your most popular one is the four inch ball, right? Is that the original design? Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of want to do the four inch one because I feel like, um, a lot of people that train grip, uh, they don't focus on like the wide grip and they kind of eliminate the thumb. And it's, if it's, if you're training something you don't train, you're going to gain a lot from it. Right. So, um, that's why I was thinking that I wanted to focus on the four, the four inch one so people can, you know, train their thumbs and get like, uh, good gains. 
and I really like the like the wide grips. I do a lot of um, blob lifting. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you've seen that, but they, they cut up old uh, York dumbbells, the ends of it, and you can just try lifting it off the ground. It's it's pretty. It's like a wide lift, but I, I like putting plates together and things like that. And I and I, I definitely like the pinch grip uh, type training. And I I, um, I realize I think that's more beneficial for grappling than a lot of the grippers I used. I used to love grippers, and I, and I still mm-hmm. do. Um, but I feel like grippers they they come they come with a price uh, with the, the stress they put on elbows and and I think longer during the game you realize that and also I think they kind of just focus on really helping closing grippers. Of course, there's a crossover for sure. I use them a lot and it can be arguable like when you grip the lapel when you have a gripper closed it's very similar to gripping a lapel, but. Uh, I feel like there's better ways to train, especially if you want to prevent injury. What I what I like to do, I just do a lot of ton of grip. And if you want to shock your hands and like try to go over plateaus, I feel like grippers are great because they really stimulate uh, the, the, the you know the grips. And I think it's a really great uh, um, tool for that. But like in the long run, constantly training with grippers, um, I, I I would be a little bit uh, careful. Now, when you say like susceptible to injury in the elbows, what causes that? Um, uh, you might have more of a scientific reason. Uh, well, uh, well. So the grippers, uh, when you work on a gripper, it's not like a steady. It's like almost like a band. More you pull it, harder it gets. Right. Uh, it's not mm-hmm. just like lifting two hundred pounds and it's two hundred pounds. Right. Um, it, more closer you close it. Um, it's it's increasing significantly, and uh, that's for smaller muscles like grip. I feel like um, there's a h- higher risk with injury if you're training that way, especially in the, if you're constantly doing that. And um, I was actually on a podcast with John Mauser. Uh, he's a he's a um, strongman competitor, and we're talking about this. And it was my first time talking to. Uh, him on this and he actually he thought he he thought the same thing and i i also know a lot of friends that did a lot of gripper stuff and they they have a ton of um elbow injuries and i think if you're in a grip sport uh it's very common that, you know know that people work with grippers for a long time they that they get injured a lot um but really it's basically because of the increase in uh, force production that's needed for a very small muscle, and I and I think it's actually great if you're doing it uh, in a program. If you're not doing it all the time, and if you're warming up really, really well, I think it's okay. But you just have to be you have to be careful. At the least, you have to make sure you warm up really, really well. Um, and if you look at a lot of the grip sport guys, um, they're doing they're they're switching it out with like lifts like rolling thunder, a lot of pinch grip stuff. They're 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 constantly training, doing different things, and they're, a lot of them, I think, know it's probably not the best thing to just focus on grippers all the time. Well, I think the majority of people, uh, you could call them meatheads or whatever, that are just in the gym, you're only focused on uh, gripping the, the, the small handles, right? And then you're just like either hanging. Um, not a whole lot of people, I like the concept of, uh, the four inch ball because your hands are kind of um, 
extend it out like your fingers they're they're stretched out a little bit so so you really have to focus on like a, a wide grip and pinch also to be able mm -hmm. to turn it right and then yep. there's other variations like i showed on my instagram like like the gooseneck like i, I just kind of roll it like a like if you're grabbing someone behind the neck you know um like in like a nogi situation like a tie-up um just kind of gripping it like that too so there's many variations but yeah i definitely feel a lot better with my elbow that's for sure yeah and i like you said i think with like the regular size uh barbell um yeah people are not really i think elbow injuries happen because we're constantly always gripping even for like a row pull up everything it far there's a lot of stress already on our elbows uh, because of the uh, balance between flexors and extensors, uh, you, um, you, you need to make sure there's a balance. And uh, I think um, every, you know, every time you're lifting a weight, pretty much you're using your flexors. Uh, so there's a lot of stress already. So I think that's why a lot of the injuries do happen. Um, also, it depends on the sport, uh, like what you're doing with um, that. That plays a big role. And especially like judo, you're grip fighting someone's like, pulling your lapel out of your hand and you're yanking on it, there's like that eccentric load that is uh, completely different um, with the amount of stress it puts on. You know, when someone back in the day, now it's illegal, but in judo, you used to be able to, when someone grips your lapel, you can lower them down and put your knee on their hand and kind of yank, mm -hmm. yank your lapel out. And it's, it's, it's brutal. Um, yeah, so I think one of like a lot of the injuries are because of overstress uh, on the on the flexors. But um, yeah, when you train with like a two inch barbell, uh, you you see what happens to the grip. Same with a three inch, wider it gets. Um, that's something. Yeah, uh, we had I had a guy he deadlift like five five six hundred pounds, uh, and he's not too heavy. Um, I don't know what his weight class exactly is, but he's a competitive powerlifter he was doing rows, I think like maybe 30 pounds with the Grupito. And it's, it's, yeah, you're, you're solely focusing on that, especially the thumb strength and, you know, especially on grip. And, and I think, uh, well, the main reason is so you can focus that on that even flow weight. So it does help you um, with your overall grip strength development. And just even with heavier lifts, it, it, if you're not using straps and uh, you can, you can be stronger in, in, in real world when you're grappling, wrestling, you're not really using straps to lift, uh, you know, a regular size dumbbell off the ground. So, uh, you want to make sure your, your hands are pretty much to the external world. It's what, what you apply your force and you can be the strongest man in the world. If you're not, if you don't have the wrist strength, uh, grip strength to be able to apply it, especially for sports like judo, jujitsu, you, you're going to be in a disadvantage, um, it's kind of like that um, bottleneck, uh, and if you, if you if you can't transfer it through, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to apply it. And and a lot of martial arts they're so dynamic, a lot of different things come into play. Um, but definitely, like your wrists, um, with the grappito, one of the things I really wanted is to strengthen the grip, uh, the wrist in like in a 360 uh, angle. So there's a lot of angles you can work at. Uh, unlike if you're just working with a hammer. Which I do. I love sledgehammers. I do. I still do ton of like uh, sledgehammer supination, pronation, uh, ulnar, uh, radial work um, for the wrist. Um, it's absolutely great. But it, with with the grappito, there's a lot of different angles that you can hit 
that can be beneficial, like grappling, because you're constantly moving around and you're, you're just like your opponent's not going to give you what you want each time, and uh, you're going to have to you have to you have to work different angles, and it's something that's so uh, different. Really, it's a it's different than a lot of sports, and that's why I absolutely love grappling. And I think that's the reason why smaller men, not just with technique, if they're training the right way, they can they can be pretty dangerous if you have really strong grips or really strong wrists. Um, I think another thing that helped me a lot coming up with the Grappito is I had a I had a student. Well, he was he's my good friend. We became friends, but he came to my judo classes. I was teaching him judo. 150 pounds, 140, like 45 pound guy. Um, but like he was just, he was putting a hurting on my other students. Like, and he was like throwing him around and he's just super athletic. And he was, he was just throwing around these bigger guys, um, like 220, 230, but not just big, but like strong guys that are well conditioned and have really good technique. But, uh, this, this guy, his name was Joe. Um, and I start talking to him and I was very interested, uh, how he trained and what he did. And first time I, I, I went against him, he was, he was just so difficult to, uh, just break his grips and throw him. But then, then I found out he works at Home Depot and he's like lifting up door frames all day, lifting things all day and just, uh, just doing like almost like manual labor and and that kind of made my thinking like in real I kind of realized you know if your hands and your wrists and your forearms they're strong even if you're not the biggest guy you can you can cause serious damage um and I think a lot of those things kind of helped me gear in this direction but um I already knew that but just seeing that and paying attention to things like that, I think, really um, helped me understand why grips and wrist strength are super important. Yeah, in my in my line of profession, I'm a glazer. Um, I'm in the office now, but um, trying to grip glass, um, you know, it's like a pinch grip. You need you need a really solid pinch grip uh, when you're trying to set a piece of glass. Um, oh, I yeah. mean, you got, you got glass cups, too, uh, but sometimes when you're just on the move and you, you need to pick a one-inch piece of glass up that's you know, 200 pounds with another person, you know, there's a lot of physics, like we call it bucking where, you know, the forces applied on each end will lift the glass up, you know, easier um, because it, it can only go up. Right. Uh, but yep. yeah, you definitely need that strong pinch grip, um, yep. which yep, leads sure, me into sure. like your, uh, your hub product. It's called the hub, right? Uh, it's yeah, more of yeah. a finger, yep. finger turning. Uh, it's more reliant on like your fingertips. Yep, that's it for sure. So the hub, when you train off the hub, it definitely, it just focuses on the fingertips. It's a lot different feel. And I think like, even if you're not using the Grappito hub trainer, there's still, uh, there's like another Grappito hub, there's another hub product in the uh, grip sport industry. It's just, it looks the same, but it's, they just do like lifts off the ground with it. And I'm sure there's a way you can probably make it yourself. I really do like the idea of like just having limited uh, a bit, like it gives you a limit on how much you can grip with your fingertips and you're lifting off the ground. And when you do that, it's, it's a complete different feel. And actually, um, when you grip with your fingertips, it's actually working. There's uh, some research on it uh, that shows that actually you're, you're stimulating some muscles in the forearm that you would not really work with like a full grip. And I think with rock climbers, you see that a lot because those guys, they get it. When they come into grip sport and do the regular like rolling thunder lifts, 
their numbers are like going through this roof. It's in, they're like pound for pound when it comes to grip. They're one of the strongest guys, and I think it's because they're focusing a lot of fingertip work. And I think in the grip sport, we see a lot of more folks working on uh, fingertip uh, stuff. And if you've been doing grip sport for a while, you, one of the things that to overcome uh, plateaus, at least in my experience, was focusing mainly on fingertip strength. And um, like you know, like when you get a Kimura uh, and things like you know, you, you're working that type of grip, and it's it's I, I find it to be very uh, helpful, and especially with gi. Um, so there's different types of grips, right? Uh, and it's important to focus on, I, I don't know if we have time to get into all of them, but it's important to focus on <laughs> every aspect of it. Yeah, the yeah. hub grip is, I mean, that I can imagine that's good for gi uh, competitors oh, yeah. too, right? Uh, because, I mean, that's, I mean, from spider guard to, uh, you know, lapel, whatever Keenan Neelys does, uh, but I guess mainly like spider guard, really, because you're constantly on the, the sleeve, so you, you definitely mm -hmm. need that finger type of action. Yes, for sure, for sure. Yeah, the thumb doesn't become as important, especially when you're playing spider guard. I, even when you're from the ground and someone's standing, I feel like I noticed that yeah, your fingertips are like super important. Um, yeah, we actually uh, got one out to Corey Beasy from Fight Camp Conditioning, and we sent him the. Mm -hmm. Um, the hub one, and he actually, he's like, oh, this is really, like, the four fingers, I, he's like, I re I'm really digging this. Um, for, yeah, so uh, if you're focusing on grip, you have to focus on really all aspects of it, if you, like, for the best, uh, for the optimum results. And uh, it's it's definitely very important to focus on, uh, that would be pinch grip, so it's very important to focus on pinch grip training. And uh, how, with your product, how can you pull those old school guys away from the wooden dowel and uh, rope and Wait, uh, what's the difference? Like, because yours, you can go like a vertical, and uh, in like in a rice bucket, you go vertical or uh, cap it on a, a barbell and go horizontal. What are the benefits from those two? And then like, you know, what's the difference between yours versus like, you know, the you know the old school dowel weight rope and you just twist it. Yeah. So so the old school dowel weight is you know that's the concept is great. It's awesome because it, you're. You're hitting your uh, forearm extensors, flexors back-to-back uh, -back without any race, uh, rest. Uh, unlike, uh, let's say, you're doing a barbell forearm uh, flexion to work your forearms or, or extension because you have to go up and back. There's a concentric and an eccentric, right? When you have the dowel and you're lifting it off the ground, you're just going eccentric back-to-back, -back, and then you're going, sorry, concentric back-to-back, -back, and when you're coming down, it's eccentric back-to-back -back with no rest. And that's why you feel like that nasty, nasty burn um, because you're focusing on that alone, kind of like running up steps. It's pretty nasty on the legs because it's, it's the same thing. So that's absolutely great. Um, but the one thing, I guess, um, the grappito, when you attach it to barbell, um, you're not actually engaging your – you're not like – it's not – you're not doing like a uh, – like you're not carrying the weight, if that makes sense, because when you do the dowel mm – -hmm you're kind of lifting it and you're kind of like your traps, your shoulders, everything's engaged, which is really not, like not the focus and you want to focus on your, um, on your uh, forearms. If you have it in the barbell, that way you don't, you're not carrying the weight, so you can actually just focus on your forearms going back and forth, uh, working your forearm extensors and flexors. Um, when you come down and you're working in the sand, um, so that is, 
is actually um, you're you're mainly working supinators and pronators uh, in the forearm. Um, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with the like uh, hammer uh, sledgehammer supination and pronation. Uh, you have the you pretty much grip the hammer and your arm is next your your elbow is tucked next to your ribs uh, at at 90 degrees and you you go to the side each side until the sledgehammer is uh, parallel to the ground. I don't know if you know that exercise. I don't know that exercise, but uh, you might you might have to send a video to me with that. Yeah, I can I can get that to you, but it's basically working the forearm, but in a different mechanical uh, way. It's like the pronate the forearm pronation pronators. Oh, like and, the twisting, uh, like twisting a sledgehammer. Yeah, are, yeah, are kind about, of. Yep. Like, okay, so you're locking your you're pinning your elbow to your hip, and then you're you're really just kind of twisting your wrist to try and get the the sledgehammer parallel to the ground yes you can go oh, okay. parallel to the ground okay, and you yeah. bring it up to uh perpendicular to the ground so it's pretty much like that you're working your supinators and pronators but um when you're in the sand it's kind of like sled training uh so you're just working the concentric uh portion of it which uh sled training uh in like one reason i in battle ropes it got popular because um there, you don't have the really you really don't have the eccentric portion um, which really eccentric portion is great for strength gains, right? But for uh, when you work with the sled and stuff, it's really, you don't have to worry about the muscle breakdown and being sore. So you can put more, you can work out more, which is really great. You can minimize injury because you're not breaking down muscle. Of course, if you want to work on purely strength, you want to have something that has eccentric, obviously. But for when you combine them both, I think that's where you get the best results. Like, I think sleds and um, battle ropes is not just for um, great rehab, but it's also great for overall program to be strong. But if you're, especially if you're working on conditioning, like you see how important sleds and uh, battle ropes are. And that's why I wanted to make the Grappito to have like a concentric environment uh, for the forearms so I can build like pure conditioning because with with, uh, jujitsu, conditioning is everything if you gas out like it's game over you can be the strongest guy mm-hmm. but but you're, yeah you're not allowed you shouldn't be you shouldn't be gassing out it, it can be a difference between winning or losing you know so uh with your product um you know we, we were talking about like uh you know when you when you close your grip too much like with the barbells or dumbbells um you know your grip is really just focused on just clenching it uh, what was your reason for creating the smaller diameter ball? For, that's, uh, that's a really good question. That's a, that's a really good question. So when you do grip training, I think this is my opinion, and I believe I was told there's some research on this. I didn't get a chance to look into it, but, but it kind of makes sense when you, like just, I think we talked about earlier, you know, we talked about always like changing up the exercise. Um, I think that's one thing, West Side Barbell, uh, those guys were able to lift a lot of weights because one of the things from what I under, if I follow it correctly, even if they're doing a max lift, they change it up a little bit. If you're doing like a bench press, you know, uh, one week and you're going to do it next week, maybe they, they would, they would make a narrow grip or you'll make a slight small change. And it's actually even better for if you're training, um, if you're, you're constantly change, like you don't want to do the same thing every day, right? You want to change it up. I feel like it's with, with grip you you want to always change the type of grip you're working. If you're working pinch, one day you might want to do a little bit crush. Crush I'm a little bit worried about, but you want to do support uh, grip like rolling thunder. 
and you want to you want to change up the handles. Or you want to uh, because the range um, it's almost like you're focusing on different ranges, right? Uh, so that that's what, one thing I like to do with grip. I always like to I would like to work with a four inch ball, three and a half, three, uh, and then a three, and um, and I, I would constantly change it up, right? Um, so that's one of the reasons. You want to have something that's a different size grip. The hand's a little bit closer, but not super close, not like a dumbbell. And you're just working the hand at that range. But also this. So when it's wide, right, you're, when the four inch is hitting the thumb a little bit more. When it's mm-hmm. smaller, the hand fingers are closer. You're actually, I feel like you're engaging the arm a little bit more. Uh, kind of like, like you said, like with a dumbbell. Um, so you're actually engaging the o- overall arm a little bit more. And I think they, I like to use them both. I like, I do the four inch with sand and I do the three inch as well. Uh, and I feel like you always have to, uh, for best results, you can't just be stuck to one. And that's not just for the grip either. I think that's overall with, uh, grip training in general. Okay, so then what what's the reason why you created like the the actual like uh, a regular handle? Um, oh, the the, the, the bar the, yeah. uh, the bar, bar handle. The bar mm-hmm. handle is about an inch and a half. Okay. That one it's basically it's kind of similar to the, like the sledgehammer exercises. Mm-hmm. Uh you can it, when you attach it to a uh barbell, you can do those. Um but it's it's uh, you can focus on the supination pronation without engaging the grip as much so it's it's just a complete different feel it's just um really it would be best if you if you tried it and get get a feeling of it but it's not it's they're all overlapping in some way but just the focus is moving to different aspects of uh the grip and the forearm yeah i I feel like i get enough grip kind of like that that's why i really enjoy like the ball the four inch Mm -hmm. ball um obviously now that you're talking to me, I'm going to have to uh, get one of those hub trainer ones for the, you know, for different gripping. Have you ever thought about, um, uh, you don't have to say anything if, if you are, but have you ever thought about like making a universal one where like you have like detachable heads and like, yeah, ac- yeah, actually our <laughs> patents, our patents are actually include like uh, the handles coming off and all these handles um, attach with like a hitch pin uh, yeah. because one thing I was worried is like, if someone comes up with that, uh, and says, because that would be obvious, um, it would obviously be like an improvement. They could patent that. So I, I had to think a lot and I thought about that and I made sure I patented that, but we're not building that yet because it's, it is challenging. Even just, just making it in the U S it's been a challenge. Um, and that's something in the future. I'm not really sure when we will get to it, um, but we, we are thinking that. Um, I guess a couple things that play, came into play, we're you know, talking to some of our users. Uh, one guy pretty much said, like, well, just with the four inch, I have all these things. So he, yeah. I, feel, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty happy that you have this many variation. Ultimately, really, it would be best to have that. People can just buy the handles, I think it would be a game changer for us, but I, unfortunately, we're not there yet. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's just my my crazy mad mad scientist brain. Also, like no, yeah, uh, it's, like it's great you know like yeah. like T, TRX has like their wall mounts. Have you ever thought of like a a two inch like grippedo wall mount? Just like say if someone doesn't have barbell like a barbell mm-hmm. 
lying around. Obviously, you probably get a two-inch pipe somewhere, but like, mm -hmm. it, like just creating some sort of slight angle upward uh, where you could just attach it to the stud wall, you know, and put. Yeah, that, uh, that, that's a great idea. I, I recommended like uh, those plate holders in the gym because it's made for. Mm -hmm. Uh, the uh, plates fit on them, and uh, the grappito, it's same size of the opening of a plate. So I recommend just getting yeah. one of those if it's high enough. Um, and a lot of people have, uh, like, really expensive barbells, too, that they don't want it to scratch up. Some of those barbells mm -hmm. can be really uh, high-end. Um, yeah, so for those, I, I, I was thinking about things like that, and uh, eventually we might want to do, like, a internal coating yeah. Uh, that's rubber. So, the, um, but yeah, there's there are things in our patent that um, we. It's kind of like a wish list we included, oh. um, but it, just to make sure someone doesn't find that loophole to go around us. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully the day will come. We we include more of these things. We actually have like a dome handle, square handles, like a bunch of uh, bunch of different uh, uh, like a hand crank. Uh, yeah, there's there's quite a few different things that was included. Oh, even like a, we had one that's like a, almost like a what do you call a steering wheel, pretty much like around. Okay. Yeah, when I first tried it, my core lit up. I was like, wow, this is interesting. But hopefully, yeah, you know, down the line we can focus on those things. Oh, that's cool, man. Um, do you have any other hobbies besides grappling? Well, I I got into I got into uh archery lately. It's a lot of fun. I absolutely love it. And actually surprisingly it's you get a ton of grip strength if you work with a uh bow that's heavy enough. Uh I I had I have a 65 pound bow and when I first did it my fingers were so messed up even though I do all this grip stuff, my fingers were they're actually like swollen and red and uh they they were just messed up for a week. Um, yeah, I love, I love archery. Uh, I, that's, that's one thing I'm really getting into. Um, I, I really like fishing, kayaking, spending time outdoors. I, I feel like outdoors when you're outdoors, when you go for walks, uh, I feel like it's really great for being creative, coming up with ideas. Mm -hmm. Uh, journaling also helps with that too. But, um, yeah, I, I just absolutely love, uh, being outdoors, uh, and uh you know spending time with my family but uh, yeah archery is one thing i've been getting into a lot yeah outdoors definitely can tap into your because uh, you're away from the technology and stuff like that even books um uh, i i like to read a lot and just pull ideas from just a lot of philosophers i like the stoic type books mm -hmm. um and like obstacle in the way and jocko willing books um do you have any uh do you have a book that you like to fall back on for business yeah. or your life, I guess? Well, I think one thing, like I've been, I, when we talked to, or before uh, when you reached out about the podcast, I've been doing some thinking to see what book maybe has, has influenced me. And actually, I think I nailed it down, really. Um, growing up, I actually had uh, ADD and ADHD. Uh, I had that. That was a big challenge. And um Especially with the system in Turkey of long hours, you need to sit and everything. It was, it was a little challenging. But um, I read a book called uh, Da Vinci uh, Method. It was about it was about it's, it was re really uh, for people that have ADD and ADHD and how the mind works and things like that. And it had suggestions 
on what to do to focus, but also when you get to those different states of mind, how that can create, um, you know, like being creative and things like that, like the alpha state, the theta state, there's different states. It talks about that. And it talks about if you're like an ADD person, um, how to get to that, right? Like with, like, I guess, caffeine or uh, meditation, uh, yoga, breathing techniques. I actually, I think that book really helped me just understanding um, how, what these states are and what's the, like, uh, which state uh, is good for, like, being creative. I think understanding that really helped me. And that person, the gentleman that wrote that book, had like I forgot he had like a crazy amount of patents and he was super creative. I think that's one book that really helped me a lot. Um, a second book uh, I think I read. Um, I have a cousin. He's a really really great heart surgeon. Um, he he came. Uh, he actually worked with Dr. Oz uh, to learn about heart surgery and things like that, and went back to Turkey. And he's like uh, top five in the country in Turkey right now. Really successful heart surgeon. When I was growing up. Um, he taught me about um, NLP, uh, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And um, at that time, I, w- I just broke up with like, one of my first girlfriends. I was having a hard time. And he, he taught me a couple techniques. And I've always been like, interested in NLP. And I, and I was like, wow, this thing is really interesting. I read a book uh, from Richard Baldwin. Um, he has one NLP book. Uh, his main one, uh, I think it's called NLP Principles. I, I can send it to you. Um, I read that book, and I think that book just really helped me um, being creative because when you, I feel like if you learn visualization, I think more and more we're finding more about this with athletes and everything in research, how important it can be. And I think Joe Rogan has been talking about it recently in his podcast. I feel like there's something there. I don't know if we figured it out yet with like the research, what the best way to utilize it is. But I think that's something that really, really helped me. I really, I really like that book. Um, uh, with some of the goals, just visualizing, uh, getting to them. I think a lot of that helped me come up with ideas and a lot of different aspects of my life. I feel like that was very helpful. Um, I read a lot of different books. I think those are the most uh, important ones, but I'm a big fan of uh, Tony Robbins and a lot of his stuff. I, I I read a lot of his books and a lot of his, uh, I went to one of his seminars. Um, I found that to be really, really great. Um, yeah, I feel like just constantly learning, constantly reading is just one of the best things you can do. And I'm trying to make it a habit to make sure I'm I'm always learning something. I'm always, even if it's not a book, a podcast, uh, you know, something that's going to make me think, something's going to make me grow, you know, listening to people's experiences. It's just, um, you, you learn, you learn so much. And, and it's, I, I, I know with the internet and everything, there's like so much distraction and stuff out there. But if you use it in the right way, it's such an incredibly power, powerful tool. I agree. Um, this is the, one of the reasons why I wanted this podcast. I, uh, I feel like obviously we don't have enough time in our life to just learn. There's so much out there to learn. And, you know, like there's, uh, it's just so hard. And the, the time that like to just try and sit down and like fully study things, it's very difficult. And this is why I appreciate like, uh, like your background, uh, just giving me a little insight on, uh, 
know, how you came about this and, yeah, uh, yeah. and the physics in the, cause obviously that, that probably had to do some sort of play within this. And, and yeah, knowing all that. yeah, for sure. Just doing judo for years, martial arts for years and understanding physics and biomechanics, it all kind of came together. Um, one thing maybe I, I can share that actually I was thinking after we talked to things that made like a pivot point in my life going this way. Um, honestly, I feel like they, um, you're thinking and, you know, positive thinking and, th- you know, taking action and all those things come into play, right? Um, it's not just having all this information. Um, all of those, I think one big thing that played a big role in my life that was I had a friend that come over one day um, and we're talking about, you know, different things. And one thing he, we, he, he talked to me about was um, there's, a, there's a psychology study that was done in uh, Stanford University. I don't know if you know, um, they made like, they got a group of uh, people and they made them half of them guards and half of them um, prisoners. And then they had to stop the study halfway because the, the prisoner, the guards were abusing the prisoners because of the power, right? Uh, it's, mm-hmm. Um, I, I have, do you know much about this study? I do not know that study, but I, I will definitely look it up after. It's a very interesting study, and it was uh, kind of shows like, you know, with, I think a lot of things happening now, with, like police brutality and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Like when you give someone power, they, 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 early on they figured it out. Um, well, there's a lot of different thoughts on it, right? I think there's some psychologists think that, well, the study happened like this because the um, – the guards knew what the, what was going to outcome was. They, they think could be, and they think maybe that's why. But I think a lot of you know now a lot of things happening. It's like we know like people have power. Like it, it's common people abuse it. Power is a very uh, seducing thing. I think um, I think we understand it. You know, I think there's more. I'm sure there's more studies out there that can uh, clarify that. Which is not really what I'm trying to get to. He said one thing that was fascinating to him was all these people were told they can leave when they signed the thing at any point. But none of the, the criminal, uh, none of the prisoners asked to leave regardless of how bad things got. And, and when I was looking, and then he, he kind of intrigued me, and I was like, I need to look into this. And I was looking into it, and then there was one um, part they talked about, this one guy, he was having a mental breakdown, and they, they brought like a, a priest to talk to him and everything, and they, they asked him to leave the study, right? They're like, hey, you know, we're, we're, this is not... We, we need you to leave his, his blood pressure and everything. He's having like health issues and like breakdowns. Um, when they, when they tell him that he's like, I can't leave. And, and they're like, why? And he kind of says something along the lines, like it kind of like indicated that he really thinks this thing is real. Like he, he doesn't realize it's a study anymore. And then they had to tell him, Hey, you know, it's okay. This is just a study. And then he stops like, like a little kid stopping to cry. He kind of just like, you know, Oh, okay. And he kind of his face lights up. He's like, okay. But it's really interesting the state he got into when he's like, when you're in a negative situation. Um, my friend was like, it's very important to understand that you don't think clearly. You don't. You think you're. You can think very negatively if you're in a negative situation. If you feel like, even regardless of the situation being real or not, if it feels real to you, it's very easy to get depressed and get into a negative state of thinking. And in, in that time of my life, I had a lot of things. I, I had some health issues, and I had a lot of things that not going the way I wanted. But when he pointed that out to me, it made me realize, it's like, you know, I have power. There's, I have power. There's things I can do. I can, I can make changes, and I can take action. And I think understanding that, for me, really clicked, that 
if things go wrong in your life, a natural tendency to be can, you can be to be negative, and you have to be bigger than that and be stronger than that. And how important it is to be positive, but also understanding human nature and psychology. Um, I think for me, when I looked into that and understanding that, I kind of felt like there was no way out with a lot of things, and but it made me start thinking positive and taking action. I think that was like a breaking point to me for me um, in going in this direction. And I think that's one thing, looking back in the last couple of weeks, I realized I think played a big role for me uh, coming up with this idea and moving forward, taking action and doing stuff. So on that note, this is the Leave it to Seavers podcast. And uh, I asked all my guests this, uh, what would you leave one piece of advice to the listeners that are listening? Uh, I mean, you pretty much explained a, a hell of a story right there, but um, just uh, one little tidbit I of guess advice. The, I guess the best thing I would say is, you know, obstacles really are a gift. Uh, they, they they bring the better out of you, and uh, how much it brings out of you is your um, is depends on your attitude uh, going forward, um, and I think it's really important to understand that and grasp that, and also you know. You have to, you know, you have to take action. Without action, nothing happens. But also understanding that, like, when you take action, when you dive into things, you learn so much. It's just you figure, you figure things out. Like I learned so much the last couple of years that I never would realize I would learn, and so I, I never really understood that aspect of it. And one reason I like archery is also it kind of reminds me, like you take a shot at it, right? And you just have to, maybe you didn't hit bullseye, but you always, like, hopefully in life, you hopefully have, you can keep taking shot at it. And you always just have to adjust and just adjust and just, you know, and keep keep at it. And eventually you, you'll make it happen. You just have to learn from each attempt and just going forward. And I think if you have that attitude and not take things personally and not be emotional about it and kind of, separate yourself from that and just kind of be more logical and uh of course believe in yourself and be positive if you put those elements together i i think you can be an unstoppable force and i think uh you can take on a lot of things in life that is great advice and a great little information to leave um you know we've been on this uh for about two and a half hours and i can't thank you enough for the time you've given me Emery, uh, where, where can people find this product that we've been talking about? Uh, yeah, uh, so uh, the, our product is on gripedo.com. That's uh, G-R-I-P-E-D-O.com. Uh, we have a lot of information uh, there. Um, the next thing is our Instagram. It's uh, Gripedo Trainer. Uh, um, and um, we have a lot of stuff on our uh, Instagram. But I think that if you want to understand the use, um, our website would be the best, especially our healthy use uh, section. And, yeah, if, if anyone has any questions or anything, uh, uh, even just with regular uh, grip training or my uh, journey, if anything they can relate to and they want to reach out, uh, they can email me at contactus at com, or they can just uh, uh, DM us uh, through Instagram, and you know I'll do my best to uh, respond and uh, help out with whatever I can. But, yeah, thank you. I'm really happy. It was really great uh, talking to you, and it was really uh, exciting uh, to you know go back and look through things and uh, revisit my journey because, honestly, it's been so busy. I, I don't think I had a moment to kind of put everything together.
Yeah, well, I, I hope I gave you a chance to kind of reflect back on uh, the journey you've had with the Grappito and uh, the achievements you've made, uh, you know, through your life and uh, how you got to this point. It was, yeah, it was I really awesome, appreciate it, was, it. Yeah, it was, it was awesome talking with you, man. I, I really appreciate it. You too. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you.